Did you know that connection and creativity are linked to better brain health, lower rates of stress, and living longer and happier lives? Today's guest found her second phase when she realized that the people around her in her corporate job were settling for good enough. And good enough wasn't what she was striving for. Katina Montanos is the founder of On Adulting, a viral blog and community of over 23,000 millennials who are figuring out how to navigate adulthood in a conscious, happy way. She is an entrepreneur, writer, and mindset coach whose work has been featured in HuffPost, Fast Company, Teen Vogue, Elite Daily, Mind Body Green, and others. Katina started her career in data analytics and environmental sustainability at Goldman Sachs, and most recently co-founded a brand new startup called Daydreamers to help everyday adults access creativity more often. Her first book on adulting will be hitting shelves in fall of 2020. I'm really excited to bring Katina on the show today, and I think you guys are going to be amazed with the information she's going to present to us and share with us and our conversation around creativity and the value that it has on our lives and our success, both personally as well as professionally. So tune in and listen to this great conversation, and I hope you find it so inspiring. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a personal branding expert and photographer. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about personal branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build a business from the ground up when I was terrified to put myself out into the world. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive in to a new episode. Katina Muntanos, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat. Well, I am very excited to have you here. We met through an online slash virtual networking presentation that you did. Um, and I was mesmerized by all of the information that you presented on creativity. And as I got to know more about you, I'm, I'm fascinated with your journey from phase one to phase two mm -hmm. and how you have transitioned, but not only transitioned for yourself, but you're helping other people identify how to find the joy in life. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that we so oftentimes forget to embrace the world around mm -hmm. us and just take moments to 
appreciate things. And I'm very excited because as you and I were talking beforehand, we have quite an age discrepancy. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a Gen X, you're a millennial, but I think it's really, really (laughs) cool that we can come together and talk about something so important as overall mind and body health and wellness Mm -hmm. for success in both life and business. Totally. I love that. Me too. I'm really excited to dive in and I'm so kind of grateful for you uh, connecting with me and kind of asking me to be here. I think that there's so much value in um, spreading this message of connecting that joy and positivity and also that ability to just have overall well-being and everything that you do and we don't need to kind of make those sacrifices if we're completely conscious and aware of all of our decisions so I can't wait to dive in (laughs) yeah well let's start with you telling us a little bit more about you um you know what what was your first phase and just a little bit about where you live and who you are Mm -hmm. and let us get to know a little bit more about you Yeah, totally. So I grew up on Long Island and went to NYU. um, And I grew up in a family of small business owners. So my parents or my dad immigrated from Greece um, when he was a teenager. And that was a really big aspect of my upbringing. So I thought that going to business school at NYU Stern School of Business as an 18-year-old meant that I was going to start my own business, but I very quickly learned that um, that wasn't necessarily the case, and being a very kind of high achiever that I was at the time, I um, fell pretty quickly into what everyone else deemed successful, which was finance, Um, and I kind of started my young career, uh, really interested in social impact, but didn't necessarily know what that career path looked like. So I ended up doing, you know, the typical internships at big investment banks, and then accepted a really great offer that as a kid on um, scholarship couldn't turn down at Goldman Sachs, which um, is where I started my first job. And um, pretty much almost immediately when I got there, I realized that it definitely wasn't the space for me. And um, it wasn't just because of what I was doing every day, but it was really the people that I was surrounded by and the people that I was supposed to be looking up to were truly what I felt and perceived as a young 21-year-old was that they were kind of settling for every aspect of their life. And Um, I knew that I didn't care what I was doing, but I wanted to be really passionate and really excited about whatever it was that I was showing up to every single day and kind of, you know, working on on the weekend and dedicating my whole being to. So pretty much immediately I was was working in corporate real estate and um, data analytics and started raising my hand quote unquote, corporate talk for kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do um, for a bunch of different projects. And all of them really centered in this world of sustainability and social impact. So I actually started, um, helped create the team 
that was focused on sustainability at Goldman, um, which was very nascent, really just five years ago, there was no team around it. Um, and now it's amazing. And, you know, my old boss there is winning awards and doing all this great social impact work. Um, but it was really hard. So I feel like at the time, that was my first big turning point and that I saw that you could use business to kind of create change in the world and to um, shift to the world for good. So that's where I started my career. I stayed there for almost two years and then ended up um, switching into a philanthropic venture fund still in New York um, because I was really interested in making this big picture social change and didn't really know how to do it since I didn't study that in school at all. Um, so I went there to learn a ton about making big picture change. We did consulting and funding and lots of different things for nonprofits and socially minded organizations. And while I was there, I realized that making change on a big social level was awesome, but, um, and, you know, really needed from a lot of people. But what fired me up was helping people individually figure out how they could be more mindful and conscious and happy in their everyday lives, um, which is what drove me to start on adulting, which is my blog and now soon to be book um, that's all about helping millennials and just everyday people navigate adulthood in a mindful and happy way. That's a lot. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. You've, you have packed so much into a, such a short period of time. Yeah, um, I know. It's, it's crazy. It's very <laughs> impressive. But I think it says a lot to your personality and the fact that mm. you are very driven. But when mm. you let passion fuel you, you mm. can really accomplish whatever is on your heart. Totally. Yeah. And I think that the big lesson in that, like, that part of my life um, that I learned was it's really normal and easy to follow the rules. And we could all keep following the rules and resigning ourselves to someone else's version of success or happiness or whatever that is. But when you start really taking ownership of that, and what I saw in my own journey was the moment that I started telling the truth to myself, I was fueled by something that literally couldn't stop me or anyone else. Like I was like, there is something within me that has to get out um, and has to be shared with the world. And, you know, I'll do it at any time in any way. And it kind of all started to flow from there. I love that. And I, I think it's so important that as, as humans, like you said, we, we tend to follow the rules, but I like mm -hmm. to say rules are meant to be broken. And when mm -hmm. I'm teaching people photography, I use that, that phrase a lot because we are handed things that people think are right. And they, mm -hmm. in theory, are the right path or they're the right decision. But if you're not being fueled, why should you stay in that space and just be, I guess, mediocre or, mm -hmm. you know, just settled versus mm -hmm. thriving and letting your passions serve other people in a way that they can't if you're not being fueled and if your heart's not, you know, set on fire, so to speak. Mm -hmm. 
totally I couldn't agree more and I think it takes it does take so much courage but I think that a lot of times um and I just was kind of editing a chapter on this so it's top of mind for me but a lot of times we resign ourselves to all of these different reasons as to why we can't do it um like I don't have the skills or I didn't go to school for this or I don't have the money or I don't have the time and truly when one practice I really like using is kind of getting in touch with what that fear is and giving it a name and um, a real personality so that you could actually confront it instead of just letting it like linger in the back of your mind. So what are, what are a couple of tips that you, when you're coaching your clients or working with mm -hmm. individuals, what are some of the things that you work with them on to help them, you know, discover and live a passionate life and develop that mindfulness practice and incorporating yeah. that into being kind to the environment and the beings within it? Totally. Yeah, I love that. I think um, it's really interesting and maybe just helpful to kind of give a background on how I jumped from starting this blog on my couch to like coaching individuals and doing all this stuff and like giving the advice. And I think um, for me, when I started out on this journey, I was really doing a lot of exploring and translating what I was finding, what was working and wasn't working, and absorbing all this information, all these learnings, um, and really kind of like experimenting with it myself. So I became yoga teacher certified and meditation teacher certified. I like, you know, went to all these classes and talks and read all these books. And I realized at a certain point that I had absorbed all this knowledge, both from my own experience and others, um, experts in these spaces. And people started to ask me for help. And I was like, oh, I could do this. I've been doing this for a while. So um, I kind of ended up you know, being, I don't know if I would say pushed, but um, provided the space and opportunity to connect with people without even realizing that I was capable of it, um, which I think is a really interesting and like nuanced point that a lot of people don't realize when they're looking for their passion. They're like, oh, I do this stuff for free all the time, or like all my friends are calling me up and asking for advice on XYZ thing. Um, and we, take those skills for granted. So um, what I really like, or what I focus on with my clients and in my work is really getting in touch with what your true deep purpose is and what um, you are, what gets you excited in your everyday life. And some of the tools that I really love using are um, the first one that I typically work on with my clients is called your North Star Statement. Um, so it's basically a personal mission statement. And there's a little formula that we use and we come up with this guiding light mantra or sentence essentially that um, allows you to make decisions in your everyday life. So it's a decision making tool, whether it's how you spend your time or how you if you decide to take a job or move to a different city or whatever it is, if it's leading up to that purpose, um, then you're all good. And I think that a lot of times we kind of, as we've talked about, just like move through life without actually consciously thinking about what we're doing. So I find that one to be really helpful. And then the other one 
that I think we had kind of just been touching on is it's really sometimes it's really hard for a lot of us to understand what we're excited about or what makes us light up and we're looking around like what is the thing that really you know I'm deeply passionate about I don't know you know what makes me excited anymore and um, another exercise I really love doing is comparing what you love to do as a kid when there were no rules no kind of um, aspects of society that were put on you that you felt like you should be doing or had to do again compared to how you spend your time right now so seeing if those things align and if there's any inklings of that stuff that you used to love to do in your life right now and if not even you know in your free time if you used to love painting and you have not picked up a paintbrush in 20 years then that's maybe a clue as to why you're not necessarily feeling as fulfilled as you potentially could we could go on and on about a bunch of different exercises but those are probably my top two well, i i i'm fascinated by number one but i especially mm -hmm. like number two because the way you phrased that and you know things that we loved and identified with when we were children mm -hmm. are missing in our adult life because we're not yeah. taking the time to enjoy them or reconnect with them right exactly yeah and i think that there's also a lot of layers of things that we feel like we have to do or a certain type of person that we have to be, especially as we enter adulthood. So we dismiss those things that we used to love as like, oh, that's silly. You know, like, why would I pick up a paintbrush again? Or why would I, um, uh, you know, jump rope again, whatever it is. But I think that a lot of times it doesn't need to be the exact thing, but it can just be a clue as to what is potentially missing or what you've forgotten about. So when you do that exercise with people and you help mm -hmm. them rediscover that thing that gave them joy when they were young, do mm -hmm. you see that they can transition into more of a, I guess, joy-filled day-to-day routine in their work once they've mm -hmm. reintroduced that thing? Yeah, totally. Well, I think there are a couple of different layers. So I would say the first layer is like, the person who has feels like their life is completely joyless and they're like, I don't know what to do. Everything is the worst. Like, I feel like I have nothing to look forward to, right? So simply by just incorporating small aspects of that thing or things that you used to love to do, maybe on the weekends or after work or kind of reallocating your time, you can feel so much better. But if you already have some of those practices and what's really feeling kind of lacking in your life is your career, or your relationships and something bigger, like you already are a photographer and you have all these amazing things, but it still feels like something is missing. Then I think that there is something even deeper actually that we have to layer in and ask ourselves is like, is the stuff that I'm doing actually bringing me happiness or joy or did I grow out of it and shift as a person and are there other ways that I could start to incorporate that again because I mean for me as example I 
love writing so much. And it's something when I look back at my childhood, I always had a journal and a notebook and um, was reflecting even as like a five-year-old, which is so weird. (laughs) Um, And I was storytelling and living in these like imaginary worlds. But when I got to college, like math was the big important thing that I had to be really good at. So I completely forgot about it. So when I was working and really, really unhappy in that first job, simply just taking out a notebook again, changed my worldview. I was like, wow, if I, if on Sundays for just 10 minutes in the morning, I could just free write, then I feel so good. But now having, I, you know, writing is my job, right? Like I, um, write for partnerships. I write for my own joy. I am writing a book, like all of these different things. I have to think about it in different buckets and really still prioritize that like no strings attached fun version of joy that it brings me rather than all of the different aspects that it has to do with my work and kind of productivity in that way. Yeah, you have to separate it out, separate the pleasure from the work. Otherwise, it gets lost within. Exactly. Are you a businesswoman or entrepreneur who is transitioning into something new, into the second phase? Are you trying to figure out how to create an audience, how to grow a presence online? But you are stuck on the tech and the how-to. You have no idea how to attract new clients into this business. Don't worry. I am going to give you the exact blueprint on how to connect and grow your audience and attract more clients. During this brand marketing strategy call, we are going to go through the six pillars of success for your brand. This includes, but is not limited to, online marketing, storytelling, relationship building, differentiation, visual branding, and genuine networking. Sit with me for an hour and let's transform your brand strategy. Or do you learn better in a group environment? Join me along with five other women just like you and collaborate and mastermind together in one of my popular mini brand mastermind sessions. In two one-hour sessions, each one of you will get 15 minutes with my with me personally along with a learning opportunity with each of your peers. We will go through each of the six pillars of brand marketing success, and I will help you strategize in all of the areas mentioned before. The next mini mastermind session starts May 6th. Here's what a mini mastermind looks like. We will meet for two one-hour sessions. Three of you will go each week. I will personally guide you through high-level brand marketing strategies. I will then open up at the end of each session, 15 minutes for Q&A. And you will also have access to the private Facebook group to ask me questions at any time. In the Facebook group, you'll also have opportunities to network, to grow your referral source, and have accountability partnerships. This can be a great option for those of you who want to save money, but have the desire to elevate your brand. To learn more about either program, visit my website. You can find the brand strategy sessions at www.robingrahamphotography.com slash brand hyphen marketing hyphen strategy hyphen session. 
or go to shop on my website. That's www.robingrahamphotography.com. And there you will find the mini mastermind sessions and you can register. I look forward to working with you. That brings me to your work on creativity and mm -hmm. the new company um, that yeah. you're starting, Daydreamers, mm -hmm. and the podcast that you will be launching soon, Unproductive. Yeah. Um, I would love to have you tell us a little bit about, actually a lot about um, the creativity component and what that can yeah. bring to to life and wellness and mindfulness and overall joy and success in both totally. business and life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great segue because it's really interesting that the way that we kind of conceived of daydreamers um, really speaks to your last question. So about a year and a half, I guess a little over a year ago, my fiance Doopy and I were sitting on our couch and kind of you know doing the typical thing after work where we were had Netflix on in the background we're scrolling through our phones and feeling like we were relaxing but really just getting so drained and so bored and I on one hand had been you know had taken on adulting full-time for a good amount of time and was living this creative life but still in my free time I was doing all this dreaming stuff and on the other hand Doopy was working in finance. He was at a private equity firm and had a really intense job and, you know, liked it, but wasn't like super passionate about it. And in his free time, he was still doing the same training stuff. So we looked at each other one day and we're like, how did we get to this point? Like, is this what the rest of our lives is going to look like? Like, is this what success is? Um, and we realized that there was something deeply missing in our lives, which was um, this component of creativity. And it's really interesting because when we started to do the research, um, Doopy and I both met at Stern as undergrads. So we're very, uh, like we think of business ideas every day. Um, so we were like, huh, how, how could we really help others and help ourselves move through this. And when we started looking into the research behind creativity, we realized that 70% um, of people upon kind of entering the real world or adulthood feel like there's a creative gap between their everyday lives and what um, they kind of expected them to be. And that's huge, right? Like we should all be feeling creatively fulfilled, but that's definitely not the case. And then layered on top of that, our world today is facing burnout and, um, you know, loneliness and a bunch of other kind of not great well-being statistics. So when we looked at the opposite side of that, we realized that creativity has all of these amazing benefits. And truly when we engage in creativity which every single person is able to do and it's actually in our dna as human beings um it helps us live longer happier lives it um is truly connected to our brain health and our heart health it increases our immunity it decreases our stress levels it does all these amazing things and you know if that kind of sounds unrealistic just think back to the last time you did something 
creatively and how good it really made you feel. Um, and, you know, we realized that there had to be some way to bring that concept back to our communities and kind of help people shift the way that they were spending their free time and then also just feeling better overall. So, I mean, creativity is such an amazing thing that we kind of have a lot of potential like stigma around, but I really think that it's important for all of us to shift the way that we view it. It's funny because you hit the nail on the head kind of, you know, when people say this may, this may sound kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but you hear people say all the time, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I mm-hmm. am not creative. Like, you know, somebody else can draw and paint and do whatever. And I hear it a lot because as a photographer, you know, people say, oh, well, you're creative, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. But we all do have some form of creativity within us. Totally. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting point because when I look back at my life, like I typically think of creativity as being a really good painter or drawer or photographer, something or chef or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say I'm none of those things, but I still consider myself creative. And on the other hand, Doopy, similarly, like we went to school for finance. There's no way that we were, you know, creative artistic kids. That being said, when we allow ourselves to really flourish and kind of, um, be in a creative headspace it's amazing the things that we allow ourselves to come up with and when we created daydreamers we were really intent on backing it up by science so we did a lot of interviews and connected with a lot of neuroscientists and psychologists and people that are researching creativity from a scientific perspective and they all said the same thing that creativity is truly what separates us as human beings from every single other being in the animal kingdom. And creativity isn't just the arts, but it's our ability to um, predict or imagine another future that doesn't exist right now. And that future could literally be like just wondering about um, a different outcome like while you're online at the supermarket or it could be like imagining new cities or whatever it is and that research comes from this really amazing book called The Runaway Species um, which is by Anthony Brandt and David Eagleman two wonderful researchers and creative themselves so I highly recommend um, the book and their work but I really love the way that they put it it's that anything that you could imagine that doesn't yet exist. Oh, I love that perspective. Yeah, it's really, it's really enlightening and makes creativity accessible, I think, because it stops um, us from putting this pressure on, like, creativity isn't just beauty or perfection. It's truly just, like, imagination. And are there numbers? Are there statistics? I'm such a a geek when it comes to Mm. (laughs) statistics and and everything, but is like, what what are the statistics? What is the data on when someone allows themselves to shut off all of the devices, Mm. step away from work and the demands of life and just be Mm. and and imagine Mm. or pick up something creative? what what does it actually do to a 
a person from a, from a scientific perspective? Like what are the numbers mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, their, their percent of happiness, their percent of mm -hmm. um, being able to be more productive and those kind mm -hmm. of things. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, like measuring creativity is actually quite a new science. So we don't necessarily have all of um, the data on exactly what percentages it increases certain things. But that being said, there are some really great studies that have come out from both like companies and researchers that tell us different aspects of creativity. So um, one example I could give that's specific is Adobe came out with a study a couple of years ago, specifically around like what businesses could do or what impact creativity and play has on of businesses, both bottom line and their employees. And some of the really interesting things that they found coming out of that study was that productivity increases by almost 75% when you give an employee the time and space to be more creative, which I think, I mean, is amazing and honestly so um, such a no-brainer for anyone to incorporate both in their personal and professional lives. And then another interesting aspect coming out of that study was how, like, what an impact it has on culture. And I think one of the big things that we're really focused on at Daydreamers is not just, like, going off and creating by yourself in a room alone, which is great if you want to do that, but truly impacting our ability to connect as human beings, which creativity is a great medium to do. Um, just to back up for a second, in our world today, we're actually considered the loneliest generation and we're kind of, we're in the loneliest time in the world, even though we're the most connected. And mm -hmm. a lot of countries have said that we are in a loneliness epidemic because um, almost all adults today say that they only have one close friend, which has major health impacts in itself. But we know that that's a huge issue and creativity actually can help solve that because um, people say and report that when they're creative, they're more engaged, fulfilled, happy, and are able to connect with people on a much deeper level. And that's pretty much like in the Adobe study, for example, more than half of people say that um, who were being studied. So I think those are some really telling facts. And as we know, creativity can be literally anything. It's just using your mind in a free and imaginative way. Wow, I mean, that's amazing really yeah and truly it is yeah. and i i am i've heard this before that you know we are the loneliest society that's ever existed mm -hmm. and it's pretty ironic considering all the things that we have the tools that we have to keep us connected yeah. and okay. i think though you know when and i and i see it with my kids too mm -hmm. they're so used to communicating behind a screen that mm, that totally. interperson that interpersonal connection isn't 
built and established from the get-go when relationships are started. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting you bring that up because for the Daydreamers podcast, which you just mentioned, we interviewed this really amazing woman, Celeste Headley, who just came out with this book called Do Nothing. And it's actually, it's crazy. It's literally the exact topic that we talk about on the podcast, which is kind of shifting our view of productivity and where that obsession came from in our society today. And one of the things that she talks about is this idea of connection and how um, we're always trying to hack our ability to connect, but truly like our brain doesn't register when we're talking to someone, when it's through a screen, like texting, but it actually, um, dopamine spikes when you're connecting with someone via a phone call and then obviously in person. So this ability to connect is something that we can't like hack or make it more efficient our way out of. Um, and we really do need to be more intentional about how we're connecting with people, not just that we're doing it. So I think that's really important. We're recording this in the midst of the coronavirus quarantine. Yes. And, you know, my husband's working from home and mm -hmm. he made the comment the other day and we were, we were having this conversation that, you know, what is going to happen after this when people mm -hmm. have demonstrated that they can effectively and successfully work from home and be off site yeah. and still get the job done. But at first, you know, everything was going fine, but then mm -hmm. the, and he has quite a number of people, um, that report into him, but mm -hmm. he was saying things are starting to get a little bit political because, mm. you know, everybody's talking behind screens. There's no face yeah. to face. You can't read body language and people are making assumptions and a lot of times totally. false assumptions or, you know, how when you're talking by email, sometimes there's yeah. a tone that's unintentional, but people interpret it a different way than the original intention. And so it's really quite fascinating that you're saying all of this. And, yeah. I, you know, I wonder how much those dopamine receptors not being triggered because they're not mm -hmm. face to face. I wonder mm -hmm. how much that's actually impacting the results of business right yeah. now while we're under and, and while we're under all the additional stress of yeah. the pandemic, and then all of this is happening where we don't have that human connection the way we've had it in the past. This is, it's really interesting. Totally. Yeah. I think obviously there are so many factors that are going into our own kind of perception of the world right now. Um, but I totally agree that connection and prioritizing real life connection is really, really important. And I think also it's something that doesn't need to be, um, you know, these like deep conversations for hours, truly just saying hi to your barista or like acknowledging someone on the street has a really important effect on our brain to um, be able to like register those connection receptors. So I think that being as aware as possible whenever you're out in the world and truly just acknowledging like the other human behind whatever you're doing is really important. Yeah, I like to say a smile can change someone's entire day mm -hmm. and their perspective totally. on life. And I think what you're saying goes right along with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. Mindset. So when clients come to you and they, 
they say, well, I, I'm not creative. I can't, I can't mm. be creative. How do you guide them in finding something that will fulfill them or where, yeah. you know, where they can get something that they can do to have that creative release? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's such a great, it's a great question. I think in on adulting, we don't necessarily focus on that. So I don't work with one-on-one clients on those topics, but through daydreamers, um, we obviously just launched, but our ultimate goal and kind of purpose of existence is to create physical spaces, just like gyms for creativity, for people to come in, try a bunch of different creative outlets and, um, you know, obviously ultimately lead happier and healthier lives. So, I think that a huge aspect of what our community struggles with is that exact idea of like, yeah, I'm not creative. I don't know where to get started. I don't even, I've never tried any of these things since I was in middle school or something. Um, So I think that there are a couple of different factors of what really play into that and how we could kind of all combat that in our everyday lives. I think the first is obviously recognizing that, yes, we all are creative, just like a lot of the reasons that I mentioned before. But the second most important thing is realizing that things don't need to be perfect, right? We live in this world that's obsessed with um, our social media presence and creating these beautiful aesthetics and all of these things. And um, especially the millennial generation has some unique challenges in that we've kind of been trained through our upbringing to constantly seek out this approval and validation through collecting all of these trophies, so to speak. So I think that we really have to undo and unlearn this obsession with like creating a beautiful thing that we can show all of our friends and really just doing something for fun. So at Daydreamers, we call our community leisureists because we're really trying to bring back this idea of hobbies and just doing stuff for fun um, and not necessarily having this like big outcome tied to it. Um, So I would say those are the two big things. And then the last is hopefully with those realizations, we kind of drive people and all of us can try this in our everyday lives is simply just to try and experiment. Um, One of the big values that we talk about a lot at Daydreamers is this idea of experimenting with a bunch of different things. And the reason why we created this or are creating this space is because we want there to be a lot of different creative mediums that people could come in and like paint one day and do ceramics another day and try their hand at podcasting the next day. Um, Because a lot of times we don't know what we want to do and what we want to focus our time on. And we're kind of funneled into like being the best photographer ever or, you know, creating this podcast that's amazing and, you know, buying all this equipment and um, uh, kind of having these really high standards for ourselves. So I think, knowing that everyone is capable of it, um, knowing that you don't need to be perfect and you could experiment with a lot of different things is the way that we approach the mindset behind creating. Oh, I love that. And I love that you're giving people a space where they can explore Mm -hmm. and they don't have to feel, 
they don't have to feel inhibited or judged or, you know, there's no questioning as to whether or not they should or should not try it. It's there. It's acceptable. And another point, you know, you mentioned even podcasting. And I think Mm -hmm. people don't realize the different ways that creativity can come into play. And it's as simple as you said, imagining, but even podcasting, it's, Mm -hmm. it's something that you, your brain is going outside the normal realm of functioning to create the content or to even interview someone else. And I, Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool to look outside of the box and not just think of creativity as the arts. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. And I think, yeah, kind of just seeing a bunch of different opportunities before you and allowing yourself to like test out which ones are really exciting to you right now and not having to have some big end goal. Yeah. And for people in, in business, I think especially Mm -hmm. small business owners, entrepreneurs, there's a lot of weight on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. You know, we're trying to do everything ourselves or, you know, making big decisions on what we can delegate and what we need to do ourselves and really, you know, educating ourselves on so many different skills and, and then trying to, you know, connect and, you know, build the social media platforms and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff that we need something where we can just shut our brain off. And as you were talking about, you know, the brain and being fueled by creativity and the reduction of stress, I think it's really Mm -hmm. important for people to realize that that phone can be set aside for Mm -hmm. even 20 minutes a day, you know, release yourself and just even, you know, I was thinking as you were talking too, for those who really don't think that they have any creativity at all, you've seen those coloring books where they're Mm -hmm. the adult coloring books and they're like designs and you just color in and they end up looking almost like stained glass windows. Mm -hmm. Even coloring, I think can be very therapeutic. Yeah, I think exactly. That's exactly right. We're Um, everything we do is just trying to lower the bar um, and really whip out whatever you have, especially in a world that we're living in today where we're kind of confined to our homes or apartments and aren't like able to go pick up stuff from Michael's or whatever it is. Like you really can get creative with whatever you have available to you. And for me and my own experience, especially when I started writing this book, Um, in the fall of last year, I was feeling really creatively stuck. And, you know, I was putting all this pressure on myself. This was the first time I ever wrote a book that I had a deadline and, you know, things of that nature and a publisher. Um, And I started painting, which I had never done before. But every morning, I would turn my phone on airplane mode for just as you said, like 30 minutes, take out some watercolors. I mean, like, I was the kid who would delegate my art class homework to my friends that were good at art um I was definitely not the one that was like enjoying that as a kid but I found that it was really important for me to find an adjacent creative medium to really get myself grounded and connected before going into writing and as we started to do a lot more research for daydreamers we found that that's actually a scientifically proven practice. Like if you are feeling creatively stuck in whatever you're doing, try another thing that you 
maybe aren't that good at or is new to you um, to get those creative juices flowing. So I think picking up on that idea. And then of course, I love this idea of going in airplane mode whenever I really need to get something done or need to kind of get rid of the distractions. I do it every night before bed and wake up like that in the morning because I know that, um, you know, like 60% of people actually turn to their phone within five minutes of waking up. So there's some really interesting facts around that and what it does to our brain to be in that comparison mode from the moment that you awake. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's, um, Oh, what's the right word? Um, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to use the word profound, but yet it yeah. it kind of is because mm-hmm. it really unleashes a a different perspective on life as an entirety. When when you totally. think about the fact that something as simple as picking up a paintbrush, whether you're mm-hmm. a good painter or not a good painter, or picking up a crayon, and just taking that time to provide the energy that your brain needs to then start over on the creative process where it really needs to function highly. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've personally found it so helpful and liberating. So I hope other people um, try it out and see what happens. Katina, this has been so enlightening. I I love this whole concept. And, you know, as someone who has the scientific side of the brain, as well as the creative side, I, Mm. you know, I really love diving into all of this. And I really hope the listeners will um, take it to heart and give themselves the grace of time to explore creativity and do some things that will give them a little bit more joy and then also fuel their their brain for those tasks that they really need to get done. Totally. Where can um, the listeners find you? Yeah. So personally, um, I, you can find me on my website on adulting or at on adulting on Instagram. Um, and then for daydreamers, we're daydreamers space on all forms of social media and daydreamerspace.com is our website and our podcast is launching mid-April. So it will be a season um, podcast. So we have about 12 episodes in season one. It's focusing on uh, creativity writ large and people's creative journeys. And then it will kind of dive into some really interesting other aspects of creativity as time goes on. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. Ratings and reviews or what give life to podcasts and help others find us. And before you go, have we connected on Instagram yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Find me at the Robin Graham. Take a screenshot of this episode and tag me in your stories so that I can find you too. You can also find me on Facebook at Robin Graham Photography and on LinkedIn as Robin Graham. Please spread the word about the Second Phase Podcast. And until next time, 
remember to smile.